Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a very special guest by the name of Chris Goldberg. And Chris is doing some amazing things in the world to help children and super, super guy. You will see here very, very shortly. So do me a favor, and if you would, go ahead and share this out to both of your friends. I'm kidding. That's a Jeffrey Gittimer joke. Share this out to everybody that you know. This is going to be a great show. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. All right, here we go. Let me bring Chris on. Chris, welcome to the show. It's so great to be here, Ken. Thank you so much. Yeah, for man, having it's me. great to have you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And a shout out to Sandy McNichols for for introducing us. I will thank so, her myself too. Yeah. So, Chris, I've I've done this now for almost five years. Um, and, and it's really, I started this, this show to help people, um, have a breakthrough in life to get unstuck if you would. And, um, I, I think that there's a lot of healing power in hearing other people's stories of trials and tribulations and overcoming, and achieving. So why don't we start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised? Yeah, born in Eastern Montgomery County in Pennsylvania, just outside Philadelphia, a hospital called Abington Hospital and grew up in nearby Elkins Park. And um, I, I have to, I guess if it's okay, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, yeah, sure. My, my mother's name is Beverly Goldberg. It's a pretty famous name. Uh, there's a okay. show called the Goldbergs that of a family that's been on up for 10 years now, very popular show that had a wow. mother named Beverly Goldberg. This are based off a real family, a father, uh, an older sister and two brothers and the younger brother ended up filming everything. He was kind of bullied a little by his older brother and he ended up making this great show called the Goldbergs. They grew up in the show in Jenkintown. That's where my father grew up. And we had a store called Goldberg's for 68 years, actually. So this wow. Goldberg show is so big that every time we go out and I'm with my mother, who's now 91 years old, just had her 91st birthday. And they go, Beverly Goldberg, are you the Beverly Goldberg? And, <laughs> and I always say, she's the real Beverly Goldberg. They grew up in Rydell, the next town over. Our family, half of it grew up in Jenkintown. And my mother's fairly well known for being the head of fundraising at Abington Hospital and, wow. and uh, on the board of trustees at the, what was Beaver College, now Arcadia, for 35 years. So I always try to brag about that, my my mother, and she's doing well, and I'll have her over our house today. So that's, 
awesome. So it, is it, the show based on your family then? It's it's based on this other family. Oh, who, okay. Yeah, this other family who had a very similar, grew up, the kids were just a little younger than we were because I have an older sister, an older somewhat at that time overbearing brother, and then I was the young one. Yeah. And um, so it's just funny. They, you know, they they have had a great show for 10 years, but uh, wow. just because the names are so similar, um, you know, we always. Well, they're identical. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. almost identical. And they bring in in the show all these wow. different references to the area. So our area has been on TV for the last 10 years. And, you know, Philly sports is a big part of the show. Yeah. Uh, always a big part of my life sports growing up was a really big thing that's awesome so so growing up for you what what was it like growing up over in in um i mean you know i know it's cold in the winter and you get snow and um you know i i I, that's why i just moved to dallas because i'm over the snow but so so talk about what it was like for you growing up as a kid like did did you did you always know you were gonna do what you're doing now because i know you have a a phd right like you have yeah yeah I, i never never believed that growing up sports sports was a big thing it really was my father was a great athlete at Jenkintown High School, and I guess we got, and my mother was, and we got some of those genes. Sure. She, she grew up in North Jersey, and uh, my father was president of the Little League, and my brother was a great Little League player, and I was not as good, but I loved Little League baseball and loved sports, but I loved writing. So I mm. ended up starting off as a sports writer because I loved writing and I loved sports, and I put it together in high school. So that part of my life when I look back seemed pretty obvious. But the other part was my brother ended up getting hired at the, at the YMCA in Abington, right where we were born. And wow. I ended up you know, four years younger and I became a counselor. So both of us were counselors. And you know, starting then to work with children um, probably is what led to me becoming a teacher as a second career because my first career was a, was a sports writer but I evolved, eventually grew up. They always say, you know, sports writers, uh, you know, you know, if you ever watch The Odd Couple with Jack Klugman, he was just, uh, you know, kind of a, a hack. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he was like a hack and he was unorganized. I guess I'm somewhat a little disorganized when I look around the room. Boy, I'm <laughs> kind of known for that. But um, yeah. but uh, I, I eventually grew up and 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 did other things but working with children at the ymca was was a great 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 experience so wow that's what led me one day to becoming a teacher so when you're working and that so that started what as a teenager 16 17 18 yeah i mean you're working with some troubled kids i would imagine too what what what's neat i ended up becoming a stem teacher and and people our age a lot say, what is STEM? Because we didn't have, you know, you and I didn't have STEM when we were kids. So there was no subject or class. Actually, STEM's not a subject. It shouldn't even be a class. But at the YMCA, because we would work with students, uh, kids with disabilities, and we worked with boys and girls together most of the time. It was very rare where you would just have boys or you would just have girls. It was always everyone together. 
And yeah. when we would play, we would want to play baseball, but it wasn't fair. The girls hadn't played baseball back then. Nowadays, girls do play baseball, but yeah. um, they didn't play baseball. And then we had kids that couldn't hit a softball because of their disabilities. And my brother and I came up with a new game where we used a tennis racket, a tennis ball. And even then we found that some of the kids couldn't hit the ball straight within the, you know, first and third base again, yeah. because of their um, disabilities. And we made it a whole new set of rules. You could hit the ball anywhere. Fielders would be all over the place, front, back, behind the cage. And we involved all students. And wow. that really was the forerunner for what I ended up becoming my brother had this great creativity and I learned from him and, and others about how to solve problems. And, you know, that's, that's really what I became as a teacher. And I think that was the person I always was, was my brother and I used to make up all these games in the neighborhood and change games around. We took Monopoly and named it after our cat named Clayna, called it Clainopoly and added in all the different things. This is in 1976, 77. And, you wow. know, now, 20 years later, Monopoly ended up having a game for every town in you know, the United States, probably. Yeah. Uh, when it used to just be Atlantic City. So we started doing that, but, you know, they had it patented, so we couldn't make any money off it. I, I literally just two or three days ago played my 12-year-old daughter in a game of Monopoly on this electronic thing she has and, and, and smoked her. <laughs> she was so mad <laughs> i said I, it was funny because she was talking smack during the game that's <laughs> and I great said, that's great just keep talking just keep talking anyway um so you know i think that um so i think it's unbelievable that at as a teenager you were working with children other kids with disabilities where i would imagine i'm 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 basing this on what i saw um you know <laughs> looks i don't know who this is but they say gotta teach them early ken mm -hmm. um but uh, you know i saw um other kids treat kids with disabilities much much differently and you didn't do that. You you um, went out there and helped them. What what do you think that was about you that made you, you know, not judge them but go out and help them? I, you know, I, I think I got that from my parents. But growing up, uh, just seeing how other people, you know, kids treated each other and. It, it was always hurtful for me to be treated not so well and to see others treated not so well. So yeah, I think I learned, try, hope I learned empathy at a young age and That's awesome. it, uh, you know, carried with me. I, I always found that getting reward from helping people or working with people was gave you such a sense of, of goodness or accomplishment. I don't know what the word is that uh kind of overrode anything and it and it made you stronger yep yeah that's awesome man I, I my hat's off to you i think it's amazing amazing so so you were you were doing this at the ymca how long did you do that at the y 
four years I was a, okay. four and a half years I was a counselor at the YMCA. Wow. And then, and then I actually was a counselor at overnight camp for two summers while I was at college. Wow. Um, you know, and by that point I had written sports for my high school. I went to a high school called Cheltenham, very well known for two of its more than two of its graduates, but one's Reggie Jackson and one of them is Benjamin Netanyahu. So uh the ruler pretty much the ruler of Israel. So Benjamin Netanyahu graduated from high school in America. Yes, he did. He came to what? the United States when he was 12, 11 or 12 years old. His his father was running a Jewish college in what? in in right near Cheltenham in Philadelphia. And um, he actually was friends with one of my best friends or a new one. I got to know one of my best friends because his father knew his father. And he graduated from Cheltenham. And believe it or not, right when he was graduating from Cheltenham um, in 1967, there's a pretty infamous or famous war that he had to go fight. And um, so he's never come back since. And uh, his brother, his brother, Yanni, uh, Pretty well known that he passed away in this war and it's really an amazing story about netanyahu actually he played soccer he went to the same junior high school i went to called Ogun wow. junior high school played soccer i played on the same field as benjamin netanyahu and he wow up, um at that you know his teen years very close to us uh, where we live so it's kind of a neat one and 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 then reggie jackson Reggie Jackson never came back to visit Cheltenham, but one time when I was a sophomore in high school, he came to visit because his football coach at Cheltenham was my driver ed teacher. And the first time I went, this is amazing. The first time I went out driving, he had me drive to Wincote, the house where Reggie Jackson grew up, and he had me stop the car. And all of a sudden, Reggie comes out of the house, and I'm looking like, I'm already nervous enough because this guy, his name is Chuck Mahalik. He was, he played in the NFL for five years. Yeah. He was the driver. Your driver's ed teacher. Yeah. And he oh was my Reggie, God. Reggie's favorite teacher and coach at Cheltenham high school. And Reggie came out. I was in the driver's side. He's in the passenger and Reggie was, you know, talking to him through the passenger side uh, window. And I'm like, I don't believe this is happening. <laughs> And uh, so that was pretty neat. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really cool, man. Wow. Um, so so and where did you end up going to college? Um, since I was not a very good athlete like Reggie Jacks, I went to University of Delaware, was a journalism major. OK. Sports editor of the school paper and um, loved journalism, loved writing and had, had a nice career. Great college experience at Delaware. Fantastic school and a uh, I got introduced to this sport of lacrosse at, at the University of Delaware. Covering lacrosse was a big deal. Uh, the sport is really big at Delaware. And I had never even seen it, barely at all at my overnight camp. I'd seen it a tiny bit, but, then, you know, nobody played it in, in my area. And that ended up becoming a big part of my future. Um, but I uh, was a sports writer after I graduated from Delaware for seven years. And then a news reporter, actually, I changed over from sports to news and covered the police beat and did a lot of obituaries. Um, wow. 
did the really tough jobs of going to knock on people's doors after a loved one had died. And it's really, really difficult. Um, but that, that was, again, kind of where this empathy came through. I don't know how I had it, where it came from, but for some reason, I was able to find a positive out of a negative. And uh, so they they gave me all the tough stories when um, someone's loved one had to pass, had passed away. And I would be the one that had to go ask them, would you consent to an interview? And they'd be, you know, like ready to slam the door in my face, ready to punch me in the nose, whatnot. And I would say, I want to bring light in a positive way to your loved one's loss. And since I've done this before and seen the reaction, um, maybe we can make something positive. And they would say, well, thank you for saying that. Wow. I, I, would, I would like to talk about my love, you know, my husband or my wife or who I lost. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Um, from doing that, you know, a couple people mentioned to me, like, if you don't stay, as I kind of told people, you know, the, the field of journalism, this is the early 90s, was already taking a dive. Newspapers were taking a dive back then. I mean, you know, newspapers now where they are. I mean, in my mind, they don't, they don't even exist because they don't they don't report news. Hold they're, 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 I, I think we could say journalism doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Like, it, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, I took journalism one on one, one on one. And it was if you don't get both sides, you don't print the story, period. <laughs> Yeah, now, well, now. That, that's going out the door. I mean, way out the door. There's, there's, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we probably yeah. shouldn't even go into that. Yeah. So I, so yeah. I decided to become a teacher in 1992, and everyone's like, you know, you are built for special education. You, wow. you know, I had done worked with um, Special Olympians, and I had friends that had exceptionalities. That's how we really like to say it: exceptionalities instead of disabilities. And I, and many people with dis, if you want to call it disabilities or exceptionalities, they see the world a little differently and they appreciate things more than a lot of people do, you know, than I do. And I, I, I like being with people that see the world in a positive way, no matter who they are, yeah. what their situation is. So I, I decided to become go back to universe, uh, Westchester University and be a special education teacher. Wow. And fortunately, while I was doing that, I got a graduate assistantship in technology, which was a very lucky break for me. My professors helped me get to that and taught a full load of college classes while I was taking a full load of classes and started to combine technology um, for all students, but especially students with exceptionalities. And that kind of launched my teaching career in the, in the right path. Wow. That's absolutely incredible to me. So somebody said you were built for working with kids with disabilities. What does that mean? How is one built for that? <laughs> like, I, like, is that is that something you should take offense to? Or <laughs> I know, I know, like, I, what what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. I I I I have high expectations as a teacher for all students, right? Because I'm still I'm still an educator, and just and a lot of folks will look at someone and judge them 
Yeah. Once you I judge know. them and you have a bias, whether it's the color of their skin or maybe they have one arm, maybe their reading level is not that good. Maybe they don't speak. They don't have the ability to speak as I've worked with many, many folks of all ages that are non-speakers. And if you judge them and say, oh, they, that means they can't do this, then you probably wouldn't be a special educator. I don't even know how you could be an educator. I, I actually, to me, I right. don't know how you exist in this world if you're doing that. You know, unfortunately, I think today we all see what's going on in our world. And we see a lot of that. You know, I try. I, I'm not perfect, um, but I try as hard as I can to not judge anybody and believe everybody can succeed um, in whatever it is their passions are. And then I could help push people to their passions, no matter what, you know, what exceptionality they may have and what background they may come from. You know, it, it really, um, it does, it does come down to, I mean, I remember we talk about journalism. Unfortunately, um, I believe that most people receive their education from journalists. <laughs> and, and I, I, I use that word very loosely because their, their journalism is dead. My wife, my wife was the editor of her newspaper in, in college. Wow. And yeah. She, she's a writer and, and I, I've written eight books and, you know, we're, we're, um, you look at today's world of, um, I'll just say media and, and people follow it, believe it to be true. And it's so far from journalism that I can't even believe they use that word anymore. Yeah, but yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I do think that the, the world is, 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 you know, making judgments based on, on false pretenses as well. So when, when you decided, so you were going to college and you were, you majored in journalism, right? That was your major. It was actually English with a journalism concentration. So I had to take all the medieval okay. literature and everything else. And I didn't, I struggled through that. <laughs> yeah. You're talking to a guy that I walked out of high school in 12th grade because I didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade. And they were like, you got to have that to graduate. And I'm like, I hated dissecting frogs. I'm never doing it again. Why do I need that? You know, I hear I I straight A's in algebra and trigonometry and analytic geometry. And they didn't care. They, they, they were hung up on the biology thing, but you know, so, and so I never went to college, but I, I, um, I do believe, and I, I want to, I want to have this discussion with you. I, I, I just find it very intriguing because you're, you're a teacher, um, extremely educated Jim Rohn, the great Jim Rohn, the philosopher said, um, a formal education will make you a living self-education will make you a fortune. And all those books back there, I've read most of them at 95% of them, some of them multiple times. 
And at 20 years old, I decided I've got to, I'm a, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I need to, I need to start learning some stuff. So I, I took up reading like a madman and I, I still do it today. What do you think about, because I do believe that our education system has some issues. My wife's brother and his wife are both teachers in, in high schools. What do you think of our education system today? I mean, what what do you think we're doing for our kids or to our kids, <laughs> depending on how you look at it? Oh, if you're, whether it's public, private, or college, you know, there's a, you know there's a lot of people complaining about either from either side of the political spectrum about certain things, but. Yeah. You know, when you when when you're in your class, you may have a, you you'll have a curriculum, and you're teaching. I taught pre-K to eight most of my career, and I did also teach high school level. And I have taught a lot of college, and I'm teaching college right now. Um, I'm actually supervising student teachers, so I'm not teaching a college class, but I did at Westchester teach a full load. You still you have the ability to push students, and I've. How do I, I even taught adult schools? So I've taught up to 70 and 80 year olds. You have the yeah. ability to, to teach students. You have the ability to push them, encourage them. No matter what is going on, all these factors out here, there's a lot of them. Some of them are negative. Some of them really stink. But you yeah. still have that ability. So the teachers that sit around and complain all day um, are the ones that are really going to struggle with it. And there's a lot of holes and gaps out there. That's what I'm trying to do right now, fix some of these gaps. But it's the teachers, and there's so many. I, I, I'm who I am as an educator because of all the great teachers that I have had around me and that I had. They're the ones that don't complain and say, I'm going to find a way to make it work for my students. So I, I really feel like that still exists. It's harder now. COVID came Teaching in COVID was extremely difficult and it's still there. But despite all the ridiculous things, all we do teachers is complain about our principals and our administrators. Um, you you got to get past that and you have to come up with solutions. Thank so you. I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, we're, we're not going to get anywhere if we sit around and complain and teachers still have a lot of leeway in their own way, in their own classroom. Yeah. That's how I see it. You know, I, I, I had an English teacher. I'll never forget. I had an English teacher tell me that I was never going to amount to anything. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I, and now know. I've written eight books. Guess how many she's written? <laughs> None, <laughs> you know? probably. Right. So, so it's like, like, you know, teachers can have such an impact. Now I, I, took it as the opposite as a, a challenge. Like I'll show that woman I, that I'm being nice. Um, but like, you know, talk about how you see your work and, or the work of your, um, colleagues, how it impacts children. I mean, I I've heard some amazing stories we all have about, you know, teachers that, that help a kid with special needs become spectacular and overcome those things and adversities. And um, 
what do you say about that, about, you know, the impact teachers have on these kids? It's, it's, I still say we have the most important and most rewarding job in the world. I mean, I, I, I've been incredibly blessed that I, since I taught students for a lot of them for eight years, because I was teaching first through eighth grade much of my career, I would get to see the student year after year, and I got to know the parents really well. You know, some people, they teach a student one year, then you may not get to see the students regularly. And I've had a couple parents tell me, you made my child's career, you saved my child's life. And and I shake my wow. head and I'm like, no, I think you did. But if I had any role in that, um, thank you so much. And that's an incredible thing. And uh, I, I, I'm in touch with through Facebook with many, many, many former students um, because it's so easy now. And I saw yeah. them grow up and I coach sports as well at, in school, middle school age. And I've seen so many of them from year to year. And so it's been amazing. You know, and I, I just wrote a book and a lot of the kids have said, you know, this is incredible. You know, my teacher wrote a children's book and then uh, it, it, the impact we have is amazing. I, I like I tell you, I, I I, I feel like I was a good teacher. That's all I ever wanted to be. And when I see the things so many other educators do and the impact they have, um, it, it, it's incredible, the reward. There's no dollar amount you can put on the reward. There's nothing yeah. that makes your heart warm more than seeing a child succeed when, you're in, when they're in front of you and then when they're in the future, when they get a job or a career or get married or do things. And I've seen things that have happened with students, some of my students that are just so amazing. And when you ever sit back and think about it, um, wow, you know, it's, it's an incredible thing. And you're paid millions of dollars a year for uh, that, yeah. right? We, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think teachers are so extremely, <clears throat> sorry, I have a, I think teachers are extremely underpaid. Obviously, that's a um, that's a, a a a thing a lot of people feel. But you know, there are also teachers that exist um, that you know, ten dollars a year is too much. <laughs> so, um, if you know what I mean, I mean there are teachers that shouldn't be in that profession because they don't do anything. Ex and and I've seen these teachers. And, 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 and I have two daughters, so I know I've, I've dealt with this, you know, and, and, but I love the teachers like you who are actually in the profession to make a difference. So, so talk about the, um, I know, and I want to kind of get into the STEM thing. I don't know much about it. I was talking to my wife on the phone last night. They're visiting family in Ohio right now. Um, and I told her I've got a guy that does something with STEM. And she's like, do you know what that is? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and she's like, it's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Talk about what STEM is, why it's beneficial, and and how you are, you know, involved in STEM and, and what sure. it means. Sure. I, it, the word STEM really has only been around for 20 years or so because that's when uh, officials in our country realized we were falling behind in math and science. So they kind of created the 
the term STEM and we created a national STEM day because we needed to push it. And, you know, this is 20 years ago. Yeah. That, that, that was recognized. It's worse now than ever where we, we are behind where we should be in the science and, and mathematics, but it's all come together so much now. And it's amazing that we're on right now because just in the last month, major, major, major news from uh, the Biden Harris administration on STEM in the, in the state and then in the country, in my state of Pennsylvania, and then in the country. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you look, you go to a Wawa now, I go to a Wawa or I go to a CVS and there's nobody working there because computers are running everything. You check out on your own. You go to the supermarket, you check out on your own. But uh, they say 75% of every job and within two or three years from now, if not even now, you need to have computer science skills. Um, every job there is out there, you have to have problem solving skills. So the idea of STEM now is taking how to think and how to learn and applying it to everyday jobs and also all the important and the, and the highest pains of jobs practically out there, you know, including medicine, because medicine is really under a STEM and engineering and programming. They're all yeah. kind of encompassed in STEM. And it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's the major thing is a STEM should never be a class. It should never be a subject. It usually is a class, but at least if the teacher is making STEM intertwined and, you know, integrated with the curriculum, then the teacher's doing a good job. But really STEM should be in every classroom and STEM should be in every thought process because that's where everything is moving towards. And we, well, we and have, it's a, it's an acronym, right? STEM right. science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And I, my art friends, and I have many folks who are art teachers and they would come down on me hard. If I don't say we used to, we also call it steam and the A is art and art plays <laughs> very much into STEM. So yeah. uh, it seems like lately nobody's using steam and they're using STEM so much, but it's art is also in there. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, it, it really, it's just taking all aspects of the education process and putting them together, but really focusing on problem solving and thinking. And to me, um, because I focus more on the younger students, is teaching students how to not quit, not get down and just say, all right, this didn't work as well as I wanted to. What do I need to fix it? That, that, that's the essence of STEM. And it goes into every single thing. And if you could teach a student that uh, to take whatever, wherever they are, whatever it is, whatever, no matter how successful you are, how can I do this a little bit better? Then you're really getting somewhere. And that's really the essence of STEM. That what's because my, I, I noticed um, my, my wife was really unhappy about something to do with common core and 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 she's like the math the like there there's no wrong answer or something like that and i'm like uh, what yeah 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 no really. two plus two is four and and like and and she's like not in common she tried explaining <laughs> it to me i'm like that's incredibly bizarre so is this different from common core i'm assuming well I think Common Core always was, it did focus on the thought process. So that part of STEM, I like, or okay. that, that part of it, I, it kind of fits into STEM, but you, you want to get it right too. So I think there are <laughs> some things in Common Core, we all, all educators have a little bit of 
confusion with how it really works. Yeah. But the thinking, uh, teaching students how to think is one big part of it. So I'll leave sure. that uh, that discussion to some, another time. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. So, so, so what do you, um, on a daily basis, what, what, do, what's your day consist of? I mean, you're, you're, you said you're, you're teaching student teachers or supervising or what? I, I was a, a computer teacher that kind of evolved into computer science slash STEM and became okay. what you would call STEM until a year and a half ago, I retired as a public educator. And okay. I got hired. I had actually gotten hired the year before at Temple University to be wow. a student student teacher coach. And I'm also now Temple asked me in July if I would take another position and supervise all special education student teachers. So I'm wow. the administrator of all special education student teachers at Temple University, undergrad and graduate. There's we have another division that I don't supervise, but. Um, and then I also go out and what we call coach slash supervise in the field where the student teachers go into the classroom. I'm the supervisor of science seven student teachers in the fall. I'll wow. have a, a fewer in the spring because I have so many of our special education teachers that I'm overseeing. They I assign them a coach, but I will oversee their experiences. And because I, that's a lot of time. Um, I have a few smaller load of student teachers that I'm specifically supervising. While I'm doing this, you know, I wrote this children's book on STEM and I'm involved in several different organizations in um, advocating for STEM access for all, which is really what the big push is from our overall administration in our state and in our country. And this actually had started from the last presidential um, administration as well from the Trump administration. And now the Biden Harris administration is focusing heavily on STEM education and evening that playing field and making sure all students have access. That's exactly what my book is about. Um, so there's what show, show your book, let everybody see your book. I'm going to give you full screen. Yeah, here it is. It's called Aaliyah and the Stemsational Problem Solvers. What's cooking. It's um, to me, I, think it's the first book I've studied this and looked around. I think it's a book, first children's book ever written by a teacher and illustrated by the teacher's students. These are two 10-year-old students that did the illustrations. Oh my all God. All the way through. Yeah. Um, and these are these are these special education? No, they're regular general education students that I taught for five years. And then when I retired, I asked them if they would like to be my illustrators and they agreed to do it. Oh my gosh. Um, kind of an amazing story because I had started to write here. Here they are. Oh, see, wow. I have to go the other way. Yeah, there you I, go. They drew me, but um, the student at the top, his name is Riker. The student at the bottom is Hope. They're my two. I have a boy and a girl. They were 10 when they did all the illustrations for the book, the cover, wow. the back. Um, they did them professionally. Um, it's very rare that kids do illustrations for a children's book. I mean, it is really, really, really rare. I don't know that it's, I've asked Barnes and Noble, I've asked anyone that knows everything about children's books. They've never heard of a children's book where a teacher did the book with the students and they, I zoomed with them every week for a year. Wow. And we wrote a lot of it together. Um, went over the different decisions that went into the book together. 
and um, it just wow. came out in uh, it just came out in November. And the other part of this is the woman on the back. Her name is Dr. Gladys West. She's the inspiration for the book, and she wrote basically a foreword. And unbeknownst to pretty much everybody in the country, she's really the person most responsible for the GPS device. GPS technology is one of the biggest there is. And this was an African-American woman who grew up in segregated schools, two generations removed from slavery, and uh, her family was two generations removed. And she was never recognized for the contributions she made to GPS until five years ago. She now is just starting. She's now considered the most hidden figure. I'm sure you know, and most people know about the hidden figures, Catherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and several others that got us into space and helped us win the space war with the Soviet Union. This woman was a, she's still alive, believe it or not, 92 wow. years old. And we all got wow. to meet her just a month ago on, on Zoom because she worked with, her family worked with us on the book. And wow. she's a role model. And the, one of the reasons why there's such underrepresentation in the field of STEM, which is my big focus for girls, for minority students, for students with disabilities, for, um, uh, you know, uh, Native American students uh, is because the lack of role models, the, the, you, the biases that we have so often in STEM fields, science and technology fields, why we have so few female uh, students going into, students of color going into programming is because they're not seeing the role models. They're not encouraged to do it. They don't know that they can do it. And we need to give the role models and we need to encourage them tremendously. I mean, I can give you stats that are overwhelming, but the worst of the stats are even just in Pennsylvania just came out that we're going to be short about 600,000 STEM employees in the next two years, just in Pennsylvania. Around wow. the country, we're four, five, six, seven million short by 2026. And wow. we're hiring. And I, I, I have a website in my other, in my lacrosse writing business, and it's always farmed out to someone out of the country. We, we don't have enough people going into computer science and programming. And, uh, you know, it's our job as educators to make that uh, known, to educate people on it, and then to find ways to encourage and um, encourage youngsters to embrace the field yeah. and consider the field. My my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, is that's he teaches technology. He's a technology teacher and 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 the head of all library stuff in the school district that he's in. So um, I know how important it is. I've been in technology for my first computer was a Commodore sixty four C. If that tells you, anything. <laughs> I, I used one. I used one. I taught on one of those actually. Yeah. Uh, I learned basic programming at 12. I taught myself, but you know, I, um, I love technology and you know, it, it shocks me. Um, I I'm an Apple guy. Now I used to be a windows guy. I used to be the antichrist of Apple. That's what I, I always say. I was like, I'll never use Steve jobs crap. And you know, now I'm like, I, I, there's no way I'd go back to windows. But, you know, I, I, I've been a programmer for a very long time in, in, 
and and in technology for a long time. And I find it shocking that because I'm a teacher now, I have an online university that I own and, and I teach a lot of people technology and social media stuff. And and I, I it surprises me how especially when like google is and youtube university <laughs> are at our fingertips and people don't use it like i i get questions like i'm like did you think did you google it did because it it's pretty like out there <laughs> like it's an easy fix you know and it shocks me that people don't have that problem solving mindset it does that does that stem from pardon the pun but does that start at, at at childhood like they're just not taught responsibility or what is it well if you get into that yeah about the <laughs> the parents but much more of it is now kids have access to everything they have access to google so they can google everything. it they have their phone they have all yeah. this they have that when you and i grew up we didn't have these things if you had to create you had to learn how to entertain yourself you know you had to go to a yeah. payphone you wanted to contact somebody when i was a newspaper reporter i didn't have computers we had old manual typewriters and when we had to get news we used a police scanner and we drove down there and we found the news and yeah. we would call in the information on a payphone. We didn't have the texting and cell phone and social media or any of that stuff. And kids mm -hmm. today now, kids, when I first started teaching in the mid to late 90s, kids would learn HTML on their own because they, yeah. wanted, to, they, they wanted to be programmers. Now it's all cookie cutter. You don't really have to learn programming. So we right. fell so far behind in that. And then telling a kid to to find information you know we would go to the library and research it now it's just go on google and type it in it's easy they, they want a video game they want anything they go to a dentist's office we used to play with i used to play make do puzzles and play blocks and play games when i was waiting to get my teeth pulled or whatever my cavity filled now the kids sit on their phone all day and have their technology so it's not yeah. i don't know that it's anyone's fault it's the way the world is now and as educators we have to teach kids how to problem solve parents should be teaching them how to problem solve not many of them do so that's teachers jobs now unfortunately I, I, besides I, 97 other jobs <laughs> right teachers get a bad rap i i you know I, I they it's a tough job and especially in today's world when you know I don't want to get go too far down this rabbit hole, but I, I, you know, there's a, a, one of my favorite books is a book written by Jack Canfield and Janet yeah. Switzer. And it's called the success principles. The very first principle out of 67 of them that they wrote in this book, the very first one is take 100% responsibility for every single mm -hmm. outcome in your life. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, boy, I wish we could teach that to students. <laughs> I mean, right? Oh boy, yeah. Like, uh, here, we live in a society of blame and it just doesn't seem to be getting any better. And oh, I really no, think man. that that we've got to teach that to our kids. Like you, you take responsibility for your stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, no, unfortunately it's going the complete opposite way in almost every circumstance. And the worst thing you could ever do is allow people to blame 
something else. You know, n- nothing is fair in this world. Like I, I think you've, we've all figured that out. It's less fair for, for some groups of people. It's less fair for um, depending on where you live and, you know, and the biases that are out there. But um, if you're allowed to blame something or someone for you're not being where you would want to be or where you could be, you're, it's only hurting you. I had a lady on, well, I, I had, um, you've obviously you've heard of man's search for meaning, Victor Frankel, um, his grandson, who's a Facebook friend of mine now and, and was on the show, um, recently. And, and he, he was spectacular. Um, but prior to that, I had Rose Schindler on the show. And she is a survivor of Auschwitz and she's 93, I believe, lives in San Diego. One of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met in my life was Rose Schindler. And, and she, she talked about that. Like you can't, you can't change what happened. Like you can't, and you can't blame, like, you know, is it fair? No, life sucks sometimes, (laughs) but, but you got to take responsibility for your life. And, and, and I, I would love to see somebody develop a curriculum where it's like, you know, today we're going to talk about being responsible, (laughs) but you know, that's, that's probably not coming anytime soon. I think STEM pushes that the most because does it never really accept that you've reached the level you you always we always want to push higher we always want to make it better because after you know something called the engineering design process which is what my book is really focuses on once you finish whatever it is you're building and you have reached wherever you are all right now how can you make it better right that's always the question. The next question: What what would you do different? How can you make it better? So you keep climbing. You you got to keep climbing. Once you say, "All right, I'm there," then yeah. you're not going to move forward anymore. And that that's a huge principle in STEM education. That's in, in teaching young children that is extremely important. That you know, don't settle for this. Keep keep moving. Totally. I I you know, I, I yeah. I I think that that. I remember hearing Brian Tracy 30 years ago say on one of the the CDs for the the there there are people that don't even know what a CD is. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, but but you know like I was or well actually it was a cassette tape I was listening to. But um, he said if you if you really want to make it be a success in life um, in business, find a a um, a void in the marketplace and fill it or take an existing product or service and make it better. Pretty simple. So I've always thought there's got to be a better way. If there's something really difficult, I'm always like, there's got to be a better way to do this, you know? And, um, and, and I, I think that, you know, critical thinking and problem solving is so daggone important, man. And, and it sounds like you're doing, you're, you're, pushing that agenda oh yeah well it's funny that you're saying find what's not what's out there that's the most need and i went into special education you know that 
Yeah. We're, we have a tremendous lack of special educators in this country. So I'm kind of proud to be involved in helping young pre-service teachers in special education. But I didn't stay a special education teacher very long. I moved to technology because I found I could have more success working with students of all abilities and in what we call inclusive classes. I My classes would have all the students from the population in the school. So yeah. my students with disabilities would be in with my home general education students all together in one large class. And awesome. they excel when they're with the general population. When the teacher says, I'll make accommodations when you need them, but you yeah. may not need them. When you do need them, I'll make those accommodations. Um, but I'm going to expect you to do all the work and fulfill your potential like I would any other student. And I found that, you know, if you could do that, you know, you were doing something important and something valuable. And I, that's where I ended up being as a special educator in what we call general education um, because we need that so badly. And I loved working with all students because I found that when students work together in teams, we got past all that. You know, because yeah. it didn't really matter what their abilities were because everyone had something that they could contribute. Amen. Amen. I I, I love that. And 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 it also teaches like we can all work together. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like it doesn't doesn't matter who you are, what color you are, what what your abilities or disabilities are there's there's a way to make it all flow and and you know that's life like learning how to flow so let me ask you this question chris the the and i ask this question of every guest if you if you in your opinion what do you think holds people back from number one real financial success and freedom in in life and and i don't care what anybody says i've been broke and homeless and i've been wealthy and wealthy is better um so mm -hmm. so you know what do you think stops people from achieving real financial success and happiness in life true freedom in life it, it, it's easy it goes you have to take a risk i mean i i, I boy have i taken some risks I, I went back to college at the age of 32 i spent all my money it's all gone i had to go back and live at home when i graduated for, with my master's degree and didn't have a full-time teaching job yet i was substituting for half a year and gave up you know, a career that I was pretty good in as a journalist. I ended up doing it part-time for the rest of my life. But, you know, and now I'm taking another chance. I want to go into motivational speaking. That's my uh, my new goal, and I'm training for that. And I, I changed from being a special educator, and I had to go back to school again to get a certification in instructional technology and uh, change from sports writer to a news writer because I saw that, my passion had changed a little or it redirected and you've got to say whatever it is, if you have to pack up and move and go somewhere, but if you're not going to take that chance to start that business or 
do what you want to do, like you're going to be unfulfilled and you're going to make excuses. You, you got to take that passion you have and find a way to go there. But you have to work hard to find that passion. I think I feel, see a lot of people like, yeah, go back to school, take a class, talk to other people, take chances, get to know more. Like if you don't do that, you may not find that passion. Everybody has passions. I, I feel the, I hear these people say, I don't know what to do. You were lucky you found your passions. I'm like, eh, sorry, that wasn't luck. <laughs> <laughs> I had to kill myself to find my passions. What oh you my God. Kidding me? That's, there's no luck in that. Everybody no. has interests. Whatever your interests are, take that and do something with it, whether it's write a book, start a business, go back to school, talk yeah. to people, be educated, go out. Like, no, you know, it's. Have you ever read The Road Less Traveled? I've heard of it. No, I have not read it. By M. Scott Peck, who's a PhD as well. Um, he starts off, the very first three words of the book is, life is difficult, <laughs> right? And then he said, I'm not, he's, I'm not trying to set you up to be a victim. I'm saying life is difficult. And the sooner that you accept yeah. that life is going to be difficult, the sooner you're going to be able to transcend all of life's difficulties. It goes back to that taking responsibility and not blaming anybody. Right. Yeah. I, I love your energy, man. I love what you're doing. I love what you're teaching. Um, I, I, I need to learn more about STEM. Obviously I don't know much about it. Um, but I do, I do think that we need to teach our youth now that, Hey, it's, it, you can figure it out. You can figure it out. And, and there is, there's, there's a book, uh, Marie Folio wrote called everything is figure outable. <laughs> <laughs> And the title alone, I love the title alone, right? So, um, hey, everybody go over to Chris Goldberg, goldbergbooks.com. That's a mouthful to say real fast. <laughs> um, go over to, to Chris's website and check check this guy out. He's amazing. He, the book, hold the book up. Let me give you full screen one more time. Talk a little bit about the book again. It's a story of three, uh, three fourth graders who have um, a big project that they're trying to win or a big challenge they're trying to win. And they have a bunch of roadblocks that get in the way. Really, a lot of them caused by the cat. Oops, I'm on the wrong side. It's weird because it's reversed. On, on, the, on this side here, you can see the oh, cat. Oh, there's the cat. Yeah, yeah, the cat, name is Whiskers, causes all kinds of problems, all kinds of havoc, as cats always do. And I, I have two cats, and boy, am I solving problems with them all day. And, <laughs> and the three kids, um, it's a very diverse group, because I, my idea is I'm trying to promote STEM education for kids of all backgrounds and genders and really focus on our some of the underrepresented populations, but all students, because we have such a need for STEM education. Um, jobs, but they end up learning a lot about life as they go through and try to solve problems and win a contest. And I think at the end, you'll find that they're successful. The ending is a little bit of a surprise, uh, but I think everybody seems to like it. And the book has been pretty successful on Amazon's new releases in science and technology. And it's, as I said, again, a very rare book where this, where two 10 year olds did the illustrations and played a part in 
helping create the book. We have another one that we're working on now. And we wow. created an LLC called the Stemsational Problem Solvers. And, uh, you know, that's where I'm headed. And the, and the kids are involved in this. They're incredible. They, they're going to, I think, go into the STEM fields. They're both exceptional um, children. And uh, they're in sixth grade now. And, uh, and I see them a lot, actually. And I got to know their parents really well. And it's really a neat thing. So I have people all over the U.S., all over the world that that listen to this and watch this show. What are what are some final words you would like to leave people with that may be struggling right now? Sure, uh, and I've been through mine many many times, and I I know that you have. You know, you when you get down or when things get tougher, you have to go. You, you rely on the people that that support you for one thing, of course, whether it's family, yeah. friends or whatnot. But um, you, when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like waking up, or you don't feel like doing something, you know, to me is once I get started, because I might sit in bed and say, Oh my God, I don't want to do this today. And, you know, I, yeah. I don't feel as confident. I still, I have that. Every, I think everybody has that. You, you get yourself up and you just go right to it. Instead of thinking, you just go and get started doing what, accomplishing something. And once I start accomplishing something, then I'm like, all right, I got this done. Now I can move forward a little into something that's really important. It doesn't matter what it is. For me right now, it's getting my cats to eat because they're older cats and they're struggling. Sometimes they won't eat. And I'm having a hard time with that. And I, 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 it doesn't matter what it is. It's getting up in the morning and doing a little workout or doing whatever it is, a chore that has to get done. Once you get started, then you say to yourself, you know, what are the things that matter to me that I can accomplish? And you kickstart yourself and you get started. So the big things, you, you may not address them right away because they're they're hard to get to right in the beginning of a day, especially when you're not feeling good. But if you can start to get some little things done and have an open mind and talk to other people and get a perspective, when you have your own perspective and you don't get someone else's perspective, um, boy, I didn't think of that. That that's yeah. And that's STEM. All, all, when we do a STEM project, you never do it on your own. It's always in a group because yeah. you, you're you're now gaining the knowledge of another person and then another person and then another person. If you're, you know, always try to get them in groups of three or four. And now you have wisdom of four people, whether they're six-year-olds or 60-year-olds, it doesn't matter. Right. You're going to benefit from that. So go talk to somebody and, and get their perspective if something is really getting in the way and that, that, will, that will get you started. That's awesome, Chris. Well, listen, I really genuinely appreciate you being on with us today to be and here. sharing your 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 wisdom and and everything that you have going on. Make sure if you're watching that you go over to chrisgoldbergbooks.com and check out Chris, grab a copy of his book and and read it and share it with the world. So Chris, thank you so much for being here today. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. Ken, so great. Thank you. It's been my honor to be here. Hang tight for me. I'm going to go ahead and end this. Thank you to everybody again. And if you haven't shared this out, there's still time for redemption. You can share this out right now. So 
Thank you all so much, Chris. Thank you again. God bless you all. Have a great day. Thank you.